Stop doing what? <sighs> Word podcast episode eight. Go. No, I say it. Word podcast episode eight. Go. Hi, Dylan. Hi. How many times have we done the start? This is the third time. Third time's a charm. That's right. That's what I was setting up for. How are you doing? I'm great. Yeah? Yeah. You feeling okay? I'm feeling alright. You look great, by the way. Oh, thanks. Yeah, just so great. You got a little sour cream mm-hmm. in the corner mm-hmm. of your lip. Yeah, mm-hmm. right, there, right there. And I got it. Yep, there you go. Mm. I, I actually left it there. I wanted a, uh, a starter podcast snack. I just made egg burritos. Mm. Actually, I didn't make them. Sarah made them. But she did a good job. Shut up. Um, oof, I hate myself. <laughs> All right. So, how are you feeling, Dylan? Good. We were out late last night. You so. were out late last night. I wasn't. I have a responsible adult. Nah, huh? So you went. You left at ten as opposed to eleven o'clock. But what time were you up this morning? I got up. I got up at six. This is a pissing contest because you're not gonna win. And then yes, I know you got up early on me because you had to go coach crew. And I ran. <laughs> you can't tell. Dylan's making a very upset face at me. <laughs> it's very attractive. All right. So, what have you been doing last week? I don't like that noise. Stop! Stop that. Uh, nothing really game related. I um, the week before that, I converted Peak from Unity Four to Unity Five. I don't know if we brought that up. I don't know. I don't think so. What's that like? What's that experience like? It's really easy. Really? Because <laughs> basically, I just had a window open of all the old scripts, and then had a window open of blank scripts, and just basically reread everything, converted. And that's a very small game. Yeah. There's, there's not much going on, so it's very easy to just like replicate all the mechanics. Especially since I now understand the right way to do sprite sheets in Unity. <laughs> it's like I don't have to recode the animation That's every good. single time. That's good. Uh, so yeah, it was fine. Um, it basically it it doesn't have the title card in it yet, but based beyond that, it's literally the same exact game. That's what you want. Yeah, and it looks nicer because like the thing what happens if because previously I did it in 3D, but it basically looked like it was 2D. So everything was on a plane. So I had to just graph all the sprites on the planes. But that would be difficult because there's not a one-to-one ratio or an exact one-to-one ratio of the size of the sprite versus the size of the plane mm-hmm. because they're working off two different units. Mm-hmm. So everything would look a little skewed. But this, you just pull the sprite and plop it into the scene. Gotcha. So everything looks exactly how it should. Hmm. So that was fun. So I was just like, I need to do this because I need to get Unity 4.x off my computer because I don't have room for it. So You need a bigger hard drive. Yeah. Can you upgrade that hard drive? I don't know. I think we talked about this. Flip it over? Oh, you have a big case on it. Never mind. Yeah. It should have four screws. Yeah, it does have four screws. Mm-hmm. It should be able to swap the hard drive. I can upgrade the RAM. I know that. So Yeah. I would, I would invest in a new hard drive just because it's going to make your life better. But doesn't... I mean, aren't these proprietary hard drives in the MacBook Airs? I have no idea. You might be right. You might be right. So, but pri- pri- proprietary SSD make it pretty. Just playing a game this week. I played the hot new third-person action stealth game Splinter Cell Blacklist. Hmm. Splinter Cell Blacklist. One second. We're back. So yeah, Splinter Cell Blacklist. Um, the Blacklist. <laughs> the Blacklist. The Blacklist is set up. We are the engineers. Here's the Blacklist. The laser pointers. Yeah, the cons. The whole plot thing is it's not bad it's pulpy it's Tom Clancy yeah putting a blanket on I'm cold <laughs> it's Tom Clancy style yeah that's right I can put a blanket on it's my house Tom Clancy making a stealth game he's dead <laughs> in loving memory Tom Clancy Sr. Ubisoft's it's a, it's a fucking grave at the Ubisoft <laughs> Ubisoft's Tom Clancy <laughs> Yeah, so tell me, I, I I thoroughly, I played Blacklist probably two years ago. Mm-hmm. I was still Night of Wood, so. I played it two years ago. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I like it too. It provides an interesting juxtaposition to MGS5 because they do a lot of things similar, but, like, they're both going for almost the same style, but, like, it almost feels, Splinter Cell, and I don't know if this was intentional or not, but, I mean, Splinter Cell feels more realistic because Sam Fisher can't take any damage right before he goes down I think it's different styles of action too but the but like the ability for the AI to recognize whether or not you're there is like on the same scale it's like you the margin for error is very low 
Oh, I was gonna put like minimum. See, I feel like five is actually even harder than blacklist. Ground Zero the AI is a little easier. Okay. Five, especially if it's daytime, they'll see you from like five hundred yards. Well, that was the thing. It's like Splinter Cell surfaces its darkness mechanic because mm-hmm. like that was it's it's the darkness mechanic and then it's the sound mechanic or like the two major thrusts. Do they surface it in Blacklist. Yeah, because he still has the light Sensor. on his back. What's the sound one? The sound one is just if you make any noise. Like, that one's a little less obvious, but, like... Because there's a while where in Chaos 3, you actually had a sound meter that would bounce up when you were making more noise. I don't know if that was it, because I've only played the original one and then this mm-hmm. one. So, I know it was a big deal on that, because when you're doing the NSA, like, training thing, mm-hmm. there's, like, a big metal grate they had to walk across. And, and there was one time you walk across uh, class. Yeah. Well, so, I've been doing a lot of, like, the horde mode side-op missions, mm-hmm. and there's, like, one that's in the Swiss Embassy in, like, Jordan... And there's just a hallway that's just like there's a huge puddle in it. So the second you walk across, it's just psh, psh, psh. and then his feet are still wet. The second he when he exits it, so it's still like you know he's making these wet footsteps. Mm-hmm. And then there's carpet right after that, so you like want to slowly walk across the thing and then quickly get into the carpet, so it like muffles your sound. Now I haven't seen that play off the AI much. No, I remember them hearing, but the AI was, I think. What Blacklist did really well was present you interesting the way that Dishonored does where they're very designed scenarios mm-hmm. you know and it's less about this being this infiltrator and more about manipulating the environment relative to these like pawns that move around right. and how you isolate them and take them out isolate them and take them out I really wish there was like a training room style thing. what about a way to attach balloons to people <laughs> Put my sticky cam on this balloon. Oh, I can start using the sticky cam a lot towards because the game gets pretty hard, and it can be pretty useful just to have the thing to break a group up. I I am having the gone home situation where I enter a room and the sec- first thing I want to do is I want to find the light switch. Oh, I'm just like, where the fuck is the light switch? And just like click them all. Wait, on. you want to turn them off though, right? Not yes. On. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and in gone home it was the reverse. Gets good EMP. I I just bought that so. Yeah. Have you, got, I, have you have the crossbow yet? No. That looks cool, though. Right, the crossbow, that changes a lot. Because that makes... You can get stun darts. You can get a lot that makes the game, like, your your ability to disable people from a distance is a lot easier. Yeah. But you kill people, though. Yes. Well, like, I've been doing most of the, the side-up ones, and I guess you can incapacitate them, and it counts as them being down. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not judging you. No, I know, but I'm saying These that... These are murderous rampage human being well it was better than when I first started playing it I just went in guns a-blazing just like shooting everyone I was like I am not surviving at all did you ever play Conviction? no I didn't I know that one's more action oriented right? it's still stealth but you, you have to kill people that one was weird because I had in every Splinter Cell before that I did I, I tried not to kill people uh, Splinter Cell 1 that was really hard because you had to rely so hard on the pistol mm-hmm. um, to shoot light bulbs out and to shoot but um in Blacklist and Metal Gear, I just don't... In games where they offer you the ability to not kill people, I don't want to do it. Because I feel like this weird moral obligation. Well, and they, they usually reward you. Yeah. Well, and they... And I think the best example of that reward system is in Dishonored. Because at the end, it's like... I hate that, though. There's a story component. Yeah, it's... It's really bad. I think yeah. Dishonored is really bad. No, it does. But... The, like The reason Dishonored does it bad, and I'm going to cut you off, is that... It presents you all these interesting ways to kill people, and not as many ways to incapacitate them. Right. Because you only get, like, what, four sleep darts or whatever? Yeah, you get, like, sleep darts, and then, like, you can't knock someone out by jumping on them. You can only kill them. A lot of your abilities about, like, time stopping, like, that'd be great, because you can stop a bullet, but what if I get, like, time stop and clock a guy over the head, or, you know what I mean? Like, right. You need, like, a billy club or something. Right. Like, Even a that. thief. Because it just, it was a bummer to me, because I was like, man... I could blow this guy off a ledge, but then he's dead. So, and I love Dishonored. I just wish that, and I have a feeling in the second one they're going to give you more options. Because one thing that Metal Gear Solid Five does really well is it gives you a lot of options to not kill people. You right. can get stun bullets for most guns. You can get st- stun bullets, rubber bullets, rubber bullets. But yeah, so I just get so pissed off in Blacklist because it's just so unforgiving. Mm-hmm. Like with its checkpointing system. And I'm talking mostly the side eyes with, you know, the regenerative health. Like, it just, it pulls no punches. Like, so there's one of the other side out missions where you have to infiltrate, like, this small little, it's like a little fortress on an island off mm-hmm. the coast of England. 
and you have to bug like three um, access points. Mm-hmm. And so, and and if you get detected at all, you fail. Just straight up, you fail. You don't like those missions? Well, I just don't like. So I will go and I'll bug the first place, mm-hmm. the first spot, and it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And then on my way to the second place, I'll get detected and I have to start completely from the beginning. Like, yeah. I think that's what I was... I can't remember. I got really far in that game. And then I got stuck on a mission where I was just like, well, that's that's it. Well, that's I'm how done. it was for Splinter Cell 1 for me because I got stuck at the CIA. We had to infiltrate the CIA building. And I was like, I have no idea where I need to go. Like, I feel like I'm completely stuck. Isn't that one of the first missions? No, that's like... I mean, I don't know how far it is into the game. I guess you go to that Russian town. I'm trying to think. I've been so It's all blur. I remember the one where you're like in the hotel or the condo or something. Yeah. You're like outside. That's like one of the first missions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. You're right. I just remember there was the you could stand against the wall in a hallway and guys could go underneath you and you use that ability like twice the whole game. Oh really? You know you could like split your legs. Yeah. Or and shoot them in the head. Yeah. It's a good game. And I hate dogs. Oh uh, yeah, dogs and dogs and Slender Cell will fuck you up. Um, how do you feel about the the locomotion in the game? Feels fine. I really like his. I love his animation. I think he animates really well. Yeah, I like his um, kind of stick to point to point. It's like, all right, pick your next point, pick your next point. Like, that's cool. I kind of like the more freer range of motion that's in Metal Gear because you kind of like just, you know, mm-hmm. there's this logic of, okay, you just press him up against this thing and then he automatically sticks to the cover. Whereas yeah. in Splinter Cell, there's a dedicate, dedicated button to taking cover. Well, because they have that point to move to cover thing where you can like direct him to run to cover right. which I kind of like that too yeah but there's less there's less agency in that yeah cause mm-hmm. cause like you're not being held responsible for it so there's this confusion of so whenever I do this will I never get caught you know will he always be safe moving from yeah. point to point I remember they introduced that in Conviction and then they used that in Ghost Recon Future Soldier which I also got that cause I got that? I haven't touched it Okay. Yeah. It was kind of cool. The thing I liked is that you could do the essentially the mark system they have in Conviction, but you mark for your squad, and then all of you at once can fire. Right. And not like six guys out at once. That was kind of cool. Well, that started with Rainbow Six, right? Because I remember pl- doing that in Rainbow Six Vegas. You'd breach a room, but first you'd mark everyone by doing the snake cam. Right. I think that was the evolution. Then there was the mark and execute thing in Conviction, where you could clear a whole room out. Right. Which was always really fun. But it never made sense because you had to charge it. Yeah. By melee killing people but. well I think it was just any kill no right well if you melee killed someone I think it automatically filled it but if you did just regular kills it, it would build up yeah I always like I thought Conviction had a, a pulpy enough stupid story that was like kind of fun I really like the projection on the wall I love that I love it's in Conviction they like lean on it really hard well it looks really good it doesn't look as good in Blacklist Blacklist cause just like Location. Yeah, I feel like it's a little more like, well, we have this thing, we maybe might as well use it, but in conviction, like, they, like, rely on it. And, like, sometimes, the best parts are when you're, like, interrogating someone, and, like, the video's playing in the background, and giving you context. Because I, I like that as a system, because it leaves you involved in what's going on, while also giving you context. And that's the kind of thing that you would only ever need in, like, a video game, where you need to stay in control. And a lot of times, they just rely on, like, cassette tapes, or audio logs. That's like a really interesting way to kind of show gramophones. Gramophones. Who like gramophones? Bioshock Infinite. I don't know. The audio. I think that was a really good groundbreaking thing at the time, and now it's like so people are kind of like putting too much into it, and it's taking away from like pretty solid actual. I think exhibition. <clears throat> I think Skyrim did it really well. Where you just find the books, and it was all optional. I never read reading. the books. I always read the books. I have a PDF on my Kindle app. Of all the books from Skyrim. Really? Yeah. I mean, some of them are funny, like the Taming the Argonian, whatever. The one about, like, the guys in love with the story. Yeah. The Lustful Argonian, is that what it is? I think yeah. it's like that. Yeah. That was pretty funny. I always wanted to get more into Skyrim's lore, but, like, I just... Oh, I dived real deep into uh, that stuff. I always do that, and I'll always, like, just open up a Wikipedia. Fallout, I, I love. Oh, I, yeah. For some reason, I, the Fallout world, like, I'm just... I'm 100% in for it, but I, maybe I'm just not drawn to fantasy. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think you like fantasy, because you never read Lord of the Rings. But I like The Witcher. I love The Witcher. The Witcher, I think... I, well, I don't know anything about The Witcher, so I can't speak to, like, what differences The Witcher might have that I think other it's just, fantasy. The Witcher relies more on, instead of, like, table setting and, and this 
grandiose setting, it's all character. Yeah, I think... Which I think anyone can appreciate. Witcher character. is closer to Game of Thrones, so that's probably why you like it. It's kind of like that dark... It's not that... Like, I, I can handle a, a playful... I like... I mean, I do like the dark, but I think I like the Witcher more because I care about the context. Well, that's what I'm saying. Skyrim... It's like, like, the fact that it's... The fact that Game of Thrones is in a fictitious setting doesn't matter because it's mostly about these character interactions. Right. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like, you like Dragon Age... Yeah, I like Dragon Age. Yeah, I like Dragon Age. No, you're right. I think I just like, and I like seeing all the, the big politic. I like politics. Yeah, that's why I like Mass Effect. Because Lord of the Rings is, basically like a myth, a folklore. Right. It's like playing off. It's like a children's tale and certain. Well, The Hobbit mostly, but mm-hmm. it's playing off of those kind of things where like these characters are less so characters and more just representations of attributes of people. Right. Whereas in Witcher, Game of Thrones, Dragon Age, like no, these are human beings with flaws and ambitions. But I, there's something about just the way Skyrim looks that always throws me off. That it's just very shoulders down, face forward, exposition. Like, and it's it's for some reason Fallout had that less. Maybe because they're I know it's the same exact. It, it you wouldn't. What's think, an older engine too? It's I know. Like, Skyrim looks better. But I think because in Fallout the dialogue is written so well. Yeah. That like I I can I can suspend my disbelief because now I'm just reading. Like I'm not even. Like I feel bad because I don't I don't I always put subtitles on because I read faster than I can hear. Well, you can't take them off in Bethesda games. Oh, uh, well, I mean, in any game though, like I always have subtitles on because like I'm Mass Effect, I was quick to because I just want to see the story, I want to see the story, I want to see the story. Um, which is just part of me being impatient. At least you well. couldn't you couldn't take them out of New Vegas back. I think, I think, you could t- have them not there in Skyrim. Mm-hmm. In all the cutscenes I've seen in Fallout Four, there's no. Uh, I'm so excited for Fallout Four. There's too many good games. This is, I'm I'm firmly believing that 2015 is one of the best years for media in general, but especially video games and music. It's been like one of my favorite years. I can't think of a year because like, 2014. And you'd be like one of those wine drinkers, like in your 50s, and you'd be served a bottle of 2015. You'd be like, that's a good year. I'm gonna look back to 2015 with a. I think 2015. I'm bummed that 2015 is gonna end soon. Well, not soon, but I feel like 2015 was like a really good economy was up. <laughs> like it, it, it was a lot, a lot going on poorly, but a lot of a lot of really cool, exciting things were happening uh, in the game industry and in the world. But I think that it took a little longer for this generation to gain steam, you know. But steam's now, coming to Xbox One. Yeah, steam's coming to Xbox One. I knew you were gonna say that. Um, but it it seems to me like people are. are it's like there's a while where people are like, all right, we've made games as big as they can get, and then The Witcher 3 and Metal Gear Solid 5 come out, and like all of a sudden, like, these games are huge. Like, it's ridiculous. And then if Fallout 4 is is a tentpole Bethesda release, they're going to set a bar again, and it's just nuts. It's so fast, fascinating looking at, like, all the influences, because you can read the influences so easily on Fallout 4, just the new stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, the new dialogue system is just Mass Effect. Like and not in a bad way, but it's Mass Effect. No, and that's a good. That's a good system. To and steal. you know, and you know, they took that. We took it for a lot more time. <laughs> well, they took the the interrupt system from Mass Effect Two and just made, I love it, that. made it an actual interrupt system because you can exit dialogue mm-hmm. at any point and just start a gunfight. You know, their whole base building system, which was a continuation of Hearth Home, that expansion from Skyrim, which is just Minecraft. Well, my character is finding supplies. Well, finding supplies and building your house. Building. Yeah, yeah, but not with the creative freedom that Minecraft provides. There's a lot in Fallout 4. I haven't seen Fallout 4. I just know Hearth. Yeah, you, you can build. Or Hearth. Hearth Home. Hearth Home? I believe so. Fire? Hearth Fire? Hearth. Hearth, Hearth Fire. Alright, keep talking. I'm sure. Hugo Hughes. Howard Hughes? Hearth Hughes? Hogarth. Um, Hogarth Hughes. Hearthfire. I knew it. Hearthfire. Okay. God. Why didn't you even try to be right? I'm just kidding. Um. So. Fallout 4. What else are you looking forward to? What are you looking forward to to play? What's on your list? Build the list, Dylan. <laughs> Hashtag build the list. Um. I don't know. Uh. I guess Mel Gear Solid. <laughs> when I have time. Indoor expendable funds to get that I mean I'll probably if I have 
any money is probably gonna go towards Fallout 4 first. And then a ways away. Yeah. And then I'll worry about Metal Gear Solid 5. What about what else is coming out? You want a Wii U? I do. Yes. I think we both still want Wii U. So. I want a Wii U really bad. So we can make crazy Mario, Mario levels. I want to play Mario Maker while... While drunk. While drinking. I really do. I think it'd be an enjoyable experience. be more enjoyable than playing Smash Brothers while drinking. That's true. Mario Party's good while drinking. I want that. De- I think Destiny looks super dope. Taken King. Very interested in that. I want to play Disney Infinity. Star Wall. Lego Dimensions looks interesting. Lego Worlds. Looks Lego cool Worlds too. looks dope. Um. Yoshi's Woolly World. Uh, fall video game releases. What else is coming? Is there anything else coming on the pipeline you mentioned? Besides Fallout. When's uh, is Firewatch this year? Uh, I don't think they announced the date for it. Oh. Hmm. Right, August. Super Mario Maker. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Oh. Just kidding. Is that really coming out? Yeah. What What's your opinion on? Ooh, Halo Five comes out this year. Man. Assassin's Creed Syndicate. I'm interested in that. What's your um what's your take on uh Tony Hawk? Just in general. And you know, I love Tony Hawk's Pro Skater three. Love it, love it, love it. See I only played Thug Two. I like those games too. And I played either two or three uh Pro Skater two or three for Game Boy. The Game Boy one rocked. It was the isometric cool. thing. Yeah. Super smart. Just Cause 3 coming out this year. Man. Man. We are in for a treat. What have you been playing? Nothing. Nothing? Uh, I guess playing I, the game of life? I played a little Metal Gear Solid 5. But I, oh, I got Diamond Dog. He's awesome. He has an iPad. That does sound cool. Oh, he has an iPad. He's cool because he'll go and mark all the enemies for you. Yeah, I heard it's what he did. So, so does he have to walk through the actual base to do that, or is you just smell them and then they get marked? You get into a certain... I'm sure it's based on, like, circles. And once you hit his range and their range, they'll, they'll hit off. But he'll, he can also, like... One thing I really like doing is you can send him out to distract guards. And he'll take their attention, and you just, like, go around and pull their friends out one by one. So that's kind of cool. He just really... It just sucks because when you don't have D-horse, it takes forever to get everywhere. Really? Yeah. Can't but you, I like, drop you, a car? You can drop vehicles, yeah. So I haven't done that, which maybe I should do that. Maybe I'll do that. But I should have time next week to play. I want to I want to get through Metal Gear Solid Five and The Witcher, and I want to get back into Mad Max because I have Mad Max. Mad Max. And uh, I like when I play with Mad Max. I think it's cool. Mad Max is like the kind of game that I would just I put a podcast on and then just like zone out. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of I can kind of do Metal Gear Solid too. I pretty much do that with every game I play. Which is kind of sucks because you're like dividing your interest between the game and other things, but I really like the the act of doing that. But I'm trying to think what else I've been playing. Uh, I've been playing with Arduinos. Yeah, how's that going? I love them. What have you They're been doing? Super with them? cool. Uh, just writing like Arduino code, which is I guess C. Really? Yeah. Um. Super, super simple stuff, but there's a lot of, like, I've been doing tutorials with them, and it's a lot, like, I had to learn a lot about, like, power flow through, like, a breadboard. Mm-hmm. I love all that stuff. Have you fried anything yet? It's kind of hard. I mean, everything I've built has been pretty specific about, like, capacitors and stuff, but also there's not a lot of power coming from the USB, so I don't know if you could overload it. You can fry your laptop, so be careful of that. Guess what Will Smith did? I've tested. He was messing around with Arduino, and it just fried his motherboard. His motherboard? His motherboard or something. Something was cooked. Hmm. So I'm just saying be careful. Hmm. Or plug it into one of the school's computers. Yeah, I plug it into one of the Mac Pros. 
One of the trash cans. Um, well, but most of what I've been doing, it hasn't required a ton of. It's just been routing power to a thing, not making like loops or anything. And if anything, I've been routing power through switches so that it can keep going. But then that can affect like motor speed. I did something with that. That was really cool. A lot with like LEDs and like affecting LED light cues. And also, it makes sense now to me like everything has a value of up to two fifty five. Just in whatever Arduino is, so that's why the color values all go up to two fifty five. But like motor speed, flicker rate, all of it. Um, so that's kind of cool. I want to get into Raspberry Pi next. Mess with that. Uh-huh, because you can do a lot. You can have, like, web servers with them and stuff. Which just, it runs Windows now, doesn't it? Doesn't the new one does. Yeah. The old ones don't. They got, you can run, like, Python on them. Or maybe you run Python on Raspberry. I mean, what do you mean run them. Python? Python's just a programming language. No, I know, but you're, you're, you're feeding it Python scripts, so it has to either sit on Linux or when, like, it's, it's sitting on an OS that can run a Python script. Got it. Um... I'm trying to work backwards from that. I'm doing that. Uh, oh, I put a 3D printer. That's yeah. cool. All the 3D printer stuff out there is really dope. Modeled anything? You're just pulling stuff from Thingiverse? Thingiverse. Uh, someone made glasses. That's kind of cool. <laughs> 3D glasses? I just printed a little square. Because it would only take... Because it takes a long time. Really? So I was like a really little square. So I wanted to run the... It takes forever. It takes hours. Wait, um, how big was the square? It like that big. The square like, didn't take hours. I did the square because uh, it was quick. Uh, uh. It took like 15 minutes. It was like a square inch? Yeah. Square. Yeah, it was a little, just a little. But I was trying to learn, because you have to learn about, um, shit. Meshes? No. It's whatever. There's a stability thing that they do within it, and they graph a certain way. And there's It's a hexagonal. This is the most effective. Right. And, um, so I wanted to learn how to map that to a shape. So I did that. Uh, How does it feel? Like, I've never felt anything 3D printed. Does it feel like this? Is it like soft like plastic? Yeah. Well, the plastic we use is a little harder. There's two types of plastic. There's ABS and... I can't remember the one, but we use ABS plastic, which is a little safer, a little sturdier. It doesn't melt in the sun. Um, That's good. Well, some of it will melt in the sun. Some of it's by design to melt in the sun, so you can kind of... But then you soak it. You, t- you put it in a bath after you, you burn it, and it gets all the extraneous stuff off. And you have a little object. Um, the coolest ones are there's products that it comes out in this big box and then you soak it and it falls into place of what it needs to be and it has like mechanical parts. Right, because the plastic, there's like soluble mm-hmm. plastic in it. Yeah, I've heard about that. Well, it's just, it's printed so thin that the water was, you know, like just snapping. Um, so how are you finding, um, going back to Arduino for a sec, how are you finding, because I know you've done, you know, JavaScript programming and stuff like that for your work. Mm-hmm. For web development, but how are you finding coding in a programming language? It's not bad. I mean, I do it the way I do anything, though. I don't do it from the ground up. I just go out and look up how to do but it. How to do this, yeah. Put it, put it together. Um, which, you know, I know I should learn it from the ground up how to do it that way, but a lot of what I do is just making something work to show once. Right. And then... It was just a prototype. Yeah. It's not... Yeah, I would... I'm getting better with JavaScript, though, this year, now that I had, because I had to do a, um, the project we just did, I had to make a, a jQuery call that would auto, because there was no mouse input for this vending machine, so I had to make it so, when on page load, it would automatically focus on the form, and I wrote that myself, and then I also wrote a, a JavaScript thing that when you would input the, the input that you put into the text box, because you're taking an eye test, would take you to a file named that file. So if you got it right, you would load the next test. And then when you don't get it right, it loads a file that doesn't exist. So then I just styled the 404 page. Okay. Uh, it was like super ghetto rigged. But it worked. Um, so that was fun. But as far as video games go, I'm trying to think of like, I want to get back to The Witcher 3. I really want to beat Metal Gear Solid. But I just, I'll have time next week, I think, to really dig into Metal Gear Solid. I want to unlock quiet and I want to do all that stuff. But my stepbrother already beat it. So. Really? Yeah. Have you played anything else? I haven't played any Rocket League. Yeah, I haven't it's touched Rocket League in a couple weeks. I had a whole bunch of fun with Rocket League. Yeah, I might, I'll might. i probably go back to it. Wendy really likes it. She would play it? Yeah, we well, we play it together. Oh, couples that play Rocket League together stay together. Um, She still misses the ball 50% of the time. 
Yeah. She jumps to hit it. That'll happen. But I've been playing this new playing around with this new piece of software called iOS nine. Oh. Yeah. What do you think of that? It's fine. It's apparently it's just it's kinda just for stability purposes. Like a lot of it, like there's still there's new functionality. Mm-hmm. But they because iOS eight was kinda clunky in some ways just from a technical perspective. Right. There's some slowdown. But this still has some slowdown sometimes. In what? Um, like, you know, I'll lock, unlock the screen, it'll still take take it a second to fire. Oof. I hate that. I'll go to the multitask, and they create a new multitask mm-hmm. window, where, so now it's just cards like that, that are stacked on top of one another, whereas before oh. they were in a line. But above the cards, they used to have your most recent contacts, mm-hmm. so you just tap them, and then tap call message, but they uh, got rid of that. Really? But... It's housed somewhere else now. So now you go to the spotlight search, and it's people that you've talked to recently, apps you've used recently, nearby locations, food. Like spotlight search could always be stronger if you didn't have to swipe left from one screen. We can also pull down. So if you pull down, it doesn't too. Oh. Yeah. So in iOS 8, you could only pull down, and oh. they got rid of the old swipe. I mean, now right. they brought it back. So now it's both of them. I love Spotlight Search on the Mac. If they could make a Spotlight Search on the iPhone that was as strong and as thorough. Well, the problem with this is that, so I use this a lot to, like, if I want to play a song, I don't want to go into the music app and then search for the song. So I just pull it down, or if I'm searching for a contact, uh-huh. and I'll type in the contact's uh-huh. name, like I'll type in Mason, and, and it doesn't surface your name first. It surfaced all the emails I've ever gotten from you first. Ew, that seems dumb. But that was an 8, so I don't know if they changed that. I'll test that now. Yeah, so now you're first. Top hit. That's good. Mason right, Brown. That's a lot of quality of life stuff. Second hit. Mason Dixon line. Wikipedia article for Mason Dixon Story line. of my life. People always call me asking about it. I don't know what to tell them. They reorganized the notifications. So this is basically their attempt at Google now. Right now. Yes. And then they also have... Well, they also have new notifications for the calendar where if you put in a calendar the location, mm-hmm. it'll... Like last night when we had uh, the Learn to Row class... It gave me a notification when you picked us up. Said there's medium traffic, leave at this time. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Wait, and how did you know you were going to one? Did you put in your map? Yeah, Wendy put in the, the location because because now calendar's tied to Apple Maps. Uh, so any address you put in there, it automatically knows. I guess Google could probably do that. I just never put my locations in. Right. Um. But I do live in Google Calendar, as you can attest to. I just. It looks slick. I just, I don't know. The frosted glass thing, I don't like very much. I thought, we talked, I thought you were okay with the frosted glass. I was, and now I changed my mind. Okay. Design sensibilities change. Mm, you're fickle. Huh? You're just fickle. No, I think that you're, I think that if your tastes don't change often. <laughs> Every day. Well, I might be more fickle. Than I love Mel Gershon. I hate it. Well, no, I love Mel Gershon. But I would say that I am definitely a, a, outlier in terms of I, I like things a lot and then I suddenly just don't like them. So. One thing I really do like about, you know, Frosty Glass aside, I really like, so they, they redid parts of the podcast app to be more like... I the, always love their podcast app. But now it's more like the music app, so let me show you. We'll go to the idle thumbs. So now it takes the styling of the album art it's great. and puts it across the rest of it. And it does and did that in the music app. And they've done that in iTunes for a while. It's like... Cool. Go to the tested app or tested podcast. Oh, I hate that. No, I really like that. I don't, I don't like black on pink. That's bad. No, I think that looks great. You should make thicker font. That's hard to read, Dylan. That's like poor. That's no, like... it is hard to read, but I do. I still. I, I mean, know. I think I think I think it's cool. I just wanted, I just think if I was a user and I had bad eyes, I'd be pissed. Sure, but I'm just curious how the algorithm works and why they picked the stripe of purple from the background of the podcast. Uh, image. So they probably have colors that sit really well against black. Yeah, I mean, this is a light enough purple. I, I don't know. I think I, I disagree with you on that one. I think that's that's pretty dumb. That's fine. I just I just thought it was cool because I was. Just... I like that purple a lot. Yeah. I just don't like the text. Maybe I'm more sensitive to it because I'm so used to working with older people that you have to think I'm about like accessibility. I'm like, oh my god, no one's gonna be able to read that. But like, I mean, you can read it. Just do you mind about the code? Yeah, go ahead. Like, I can read it fine. And they, they, you see that the text is kind of down opacity. Yeah. So that, that helps a lot. But, like, 
Or it's gray. The green against the black works really well for me. And the white, see that, that's fine. Yeah. That looks that looks slick. I just wish that they would do what I do like about it though, is that it lets you subconsciously think about which one you're lurking looking at. Yeah. And you can develop like a a, a sense of like there's identity to it. Right. And it, it's it's a little strong it gives you a little more control. It would just be cool if the podcast could control that space. Yeah. But I mean, in a certain way, they are controlling it because this is basically is there just. Alma? You're right. It's just, yeah. Well, that's another thing to consider when you're making your um, podcast lid. But nonetheless, the purple and black, not working for me, Dylan. And that's the weekly not working for Mason. This is not working for Mason. Not, not working. Let me tell you, what else isn't working for me. What's the... Diet pop- Coke. Diet Coke is pretty good. But now everyone's like, Diet Coke is not any better for you, and I'm like, well, whatever. It's not. Why would you drink soda? I like soda. Dylan, I only work out so I can eat bad things. I work out so I can feel better about myself and not eat bad things. But I just like eating bad things, so I work out a lot and then I can eat more bad things. To each their own. I ain't judging. Only a little bit. Mmm. Cherry Coke. Ah, Cherry Coke. When you got alcoholic root beer. Oh, I've heard about that. I heard it's really good. It's just it's just root beer. That's awesome. But I don't know. I think it's like six, eight percent. I don't know. That's pretty good. That's um, that's a pretty that's a good percent. Alcoholic root beer float. I just yeah. Just have you been to Station Two? Uh. Uh-uh. They have the, the is alcohol. that the fireplace? Yeah. They have the milkshakes. Oh really? They're banging. They're so good. Is it is it liquor or is it beer? <laughs> there might be a beer one, but it's most likely liquor. <laughs> I don't think you mix the beer just with some liquor. some sort of liqueur or something in it. Yeah, like Kahlua. Yeah. But they're good. That place is great. Fantastic food. Um, Station 2. The... This podcast sponsored by Station 2. I wish. I fucking wish. Um, but yeah, I, uh, not a lot of video games this week, but I think next week I'll have some more time. I'm going to the bar agency next week. To do what? To walk, just check it out. To go meet their development team. I just asked one of my professors to come meet them all. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so that'd be cool. Um, more agency. Did you like... So I'll meet the guys that do, like... All their in-house digital, and then all their UX people in that wing. So that's kind of cool. That sounds cool. Yeah, not award related. What's going on? Hey, we need a website. <laughs> did you did you install that plugin? Plugin. The plugin we were talking about. The theme. That's a theme. The WordPress theme. Whatever. No, they're different. I thought you were talking about a plugin. I'm sorry. The I theme. have the theme. I don't know if I installed it. Um, but that's my other goal next week is to have that, have that up and running. It's gonna be such an interesting lineage. All these podcasts. Some first involved. eight. It's like, oops, website still isn't up. Well, hey, you know what? Games still aren't done. All right, yeah, put that on me. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Now what? We're gonna have one. I can't. We talked about one that we liked. I have it downloaded. I just, I'm lazy. <sighs> I need to do that. Okay, so we're gonna have a website soon. Let's talk about some of these news you have. Okay. Nintendo appoints a new president. Yeah. Tatsumi Kamishima. Ah, yes. That guy. So apparently, let me see. He was uh, CEO of Nintendo for America. Okay. For a while. And then he was also... He was previously a human resources head. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he's president, CEO of Nintendo. Of all Nintendo. And so... And with this... Like most major organizations, when a new CEO is promoted, there's a restructuring. So, like when Satya Nadella became CEO of Microsoft, there's restructuring. He's got to come in and put his stamp on it. Yeah. When, what a man. I think they did the same thing when uh, Larry Page and Sergey Brin went to Alphabet. Alphabet. And the former head of Android is now CEO. I think he, he moves some stuff around, not, not as big. Mm hmm. But for this, basically, the big change is. Um, oh, they made the fellows. Yeah, they made the... Right. Yeah. I did read that. So, there's, you know, Shigeru Miyamoto is, uh, you know, developer of basically every Nintendo, almost every Nintendo franchise that we know, Mario, okay. Zelda, Metroid, mm-hmm. and Genyo Takeda, who was the chief architect of the Wii, they were jointly running Nintendo while they were looking for a successor to Iwata. Now that um, Kimishima is the new head. Mm-hmm. Miyamoto and Takeda are stepping down and being put as the new... They're basically making um, uh, 
two new positions called Creative Fellow and Technology Fellow. So Miyamoto is going to be the Creative Fellow, so he's going to advise Kimishima mm-hmm. on everything creative, and Takeda is going to be the Technology Fellow, advising everything hardware-related, technology-related. So it's really interesting. So. Hmm. Subject matter experts. Right. And it's almost like it's like the same thing with Apple where uh, Johnny Ive is now chief design officer. Right. And now he's just everything design, software, hardware goes through You're him. You're seeing that a lot more and more though. Where executive teams are kinda of breaking down the way that you had a marketing officer or a strategy or like a a CTO. Yeah. I think they're 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 branching out even more, especially with creative companies where they're like Well like Google has a chief culture officer. Which that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that's worked really well in their favor. Right. They've been able to establish a, a, a cult, essentially. Which is, as a business, is what you want. You want people to buy in. You, you want people to drink the Kool-Aid. You don't want Amazon's. They could use chief culture officer. Yeah. A lot of agencies are doing that, where they have to they have to work in um, culture because the industry just chews people up. You know, and you got to be a company that people want to work for. Because if you can't maintain people, that's just so expensive. Employee rollovers is so expensive. Yeah. You, th- you think. Just training and, and getting people up to speed for months. So, it's cool. What do you think about it? Do you think it's... I think I think it's really smart. It's it's curious. So, basically, Kimishima is, you know, being a former CEO of a subsidiary and then also being a human resources officer. Like, I have no doubt that he will have handled the management side of the organization fine. Like, with someone with credentials like that, I think... Mm-hmm. And that's probably what you want when you have a when you lose a CEO. Right. You want someone to come in and, and maintain the ship. Right. You know. And it's just it was because Iwata, you know, was kind of this programmer. Yeah, he's a that he was the real success deal success story of climbing the ladder and starting as a you know programmer working on Earthbound. Dude, working on like soundboards. Yeah. And then working his way all the way up to the top. And you know, and this is a different tack, but I you know. Being a business student, obviously, I have no problems with someone business might like that. If his responsibility is chiefly to make sure that the machine stays greased and oiled, mm-hmm. that sounds fine. And then, you know, you have Miyamoto right there next to him, Takeda right there next to him, advising on what they know mm-hmm. and helping him make the best decisions. You know, it's like a cabinet, like you said. I think it's, it's funny to see Miyamoto be this crazy executive figure at Nintendo because you, you get these interview vibes just from tangential interviews you know but like you get this vibe that he wants to be involved with smaller games which that might also be him kind of being like I want to do more like mentoring and, 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 and you know fellowship which right. is really cool because I mean the guy what is he like in the 60s Miyamoto like yeah. he's up there so I mean I'm well, sure. and you look at every four year game release as I only have like you know at best if he makes to 110 he gets 10 more <laughs> which is nuts 10's not a big number you know, you don't get many. But also, being that high up, he doesn't, like, he's advising on all the games. So no, he I'm probably looks... like, personal, like, I, this is my, yeah. Which a lot of creators, I think, seek. That kind of fulfillment. And in an industry that started off really small, where you could be that guy, and I feel like nowadays you can't, you know? Well, that's what I'm curious about, is how much of Nintendo's current culture and the way things are were driven by Miyamoto even when he was starting out. Because, I mean, even early on, Miyamoto, like, kind of rose up to mm-hmm. the occasions. Like, mm-hmm. okay, here's Mario, here's Metroid, here's Zelda, here's, you know, Star Fox. He, I feel like he just captures a very, like, interesting experience. And he talks about it, like, Pikmin was him gardening, you know. Right. Star Fox was whatever, and I can't remember what Mario was. Well, what's the one where he saw? Man, that's Star Fox. He saw animals. Some, it's some. One of them are weird. I don't know. But he. he well, I know Zelda is him exploring caves as a kid. Right. So that's why you know the original Legend of Zelda has such a huge exploration, like non-linear gameplay system, which people to it. love. Right. There are some people that like attest that Zelda One's the best one, not Link to the Past or they're Ocarina. All, they're all good. Just conceptually, just so much bigger than what people were thinking at the time. Well, and I think the newest Zelda mm-hmm. that's coming out is kind of harkening back to original Zelda 1, because it's going to be more... Did you ever play Link Between Worlds? Open it. Oh, yeah. I fin- yeah. yeah. So, like, even, th- even that was very much, like... I could never get into Link to the Past, but Link Between Worlds, 
Maybe it might just be a time and time and place thing. I think it's also lack of direction. Like mm-hmm. there's like very little like there's the blinking head on the the mini map. I love that. To the past. No, I I'm, love that. Like as as a style, that's cool. It's just like it's confusing. Like because if you put the game down and you come back to it, you kind of you kind of lost. Yeah, I just like the idea. I love games where you're the world's there, you're here, go, and you kind of have to like the learning process is part of the game. But I do it also like I put down Link to the Past and I put down um what's the Game Boy one with the Chomp Bomb? <laughs> um it's uh Link Link's Awakening. Link's Awakening. That one just I never got far in it. But I played it so much. I, I was, never got anywhere in it. I was the same thing with Golden Sun. Like I probably played the first section of Golden Sun like five different times before I finally got out of, like the uh. starting area because I had no idea what to do. Because there's a puzzle mechanic to it. Uh. And I couldn't like my brain, you know, I was young enough that I couldn't... You couldn't see the writing on the wall? I couldn't wrap it, my head around it. it but it was funny because by the time I could figure it out, I was so over-leveled <laughs> that I was just flying through everything. Mm, that's, that's how I feel kind of like I am in Metal Gear Solid right now. I've gone through and been so patient and just developed, done every side up I could, do whatever. So now I can just, like, buy... Like, if there's guards, sometimes I'll just buy, like, three or four supply drops and have them hit them all on the head. Mm-hmm. Going back to the Zelda thing, like my first Zelda I ever played was Twilight Princess. Like, really? I never played... It's a weird one. Wind Waker, I never played... I loved Wind Waker. Wind uh, Waker is probably my first genuine one. Mm-hmm. But I played Ocarina of Time because my cousin loved it. Yeah, so I never... Oh, played, and Majora's Mask. I did play Majora's Mask. I never played any of the N64 ones. I didn't play any GameCube ones. So I, I want to get Majora's Mask for 3DS. So I played Twilight Princess, and like you were talking about, like the scale of that game opens up in such an interesting way. Because, mm-hmm. you know... You know, yeah. you know Zelda, you know Link, but you don't know like what these games Dude. are actually about. And so you start off, you know, you're a farmhand. Well, that got weird. We lost, we lost part of it. So you're a farmhand. <laughs> there's no, there's, we're not gonna be able to pick that thread up. Um, well, I, yeah, I can because I remember what I said. The basic point was that. You don't understand the scope of a Zelda game until you start playing a Zelda game. Right. Because it starts so small and it expands so well. Right. And, and it makes the hero's journey make so much sense. And there's a lot more wonder to it, I would say. Yeah. Dylan made changes to your shared folder. We're recording a podcast, Dylan. Now is not the time. What did I do? You changed the logo. I don't know. Dylan, oh, I did do that. It doesn't matter. I did that yesterday. Well, get the fuck out of there. <laughs> um. Alright, well... Let's cover one more story. What do you want to talk about? Let's talk about the... Can you predict a startup success based on concept? Let's do that one. Okay. Because the other two, I think, one is so far away from us. And the other... I'm sorry. That sucks. Sorry, HP. Too bad. All right, moving on. Um, so... Fizzled out. Basically, Harvard Business Review. Oh yes. <laughs> put out an article. Put an article talking about startup success mm-hmm. and, uh, like when you talk to investors, like how concrete of an idea you should have, or you know how far along you should be. Mm-hmm. And basically, should you have like a completely mapped out business plan, or you know should you come in with concepts and understandings of market forces and things like that more more fluid understanding mm-hmm. and what i've learned is that investors angel investors vcs are kind of moving away from the strict standard business plan because mm-hmm. they don't want to read it right you don't want to write it no so it's not helping anyone so they're moving towards more of the business model canvas kind of idea whereas if you went to a bank a bank wants the business plan it's, like, a, it's still an important document but sure. it's, not, it's not winning you any money right and I mean I still have to write them yeah you should because right. you need to be able to have a plan but so a lot of so the things that are in, indicative of whether or not a startup or a company will be successful are not the things that you'd expect mm-hmm. and the things that you know I believe in the most so it's culture, the founding team, um, the passion and the idea. It's not the initial financials. It's not right. the, you know, But the you still have to have market. a 
thing that can work. Right. Like, I don't think this article is arguing that, like, a, a uh, product shouldn't exist. It's just saying that, like, you can... I ran into this problem with intro, intro to Entrepreneurship, the class I took, because the professor is super strict. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you give me an idea and I can Google it in any f- way, not even like, oh, I made a new type of toilet brush. It's no, if I can like Google any aspect of your idea, then you can't do it. So, and that basically turned off a lot of people and because you were just immediately being turned down at the gate. Like, if I can Google any part of your idea, what does that mean? So it meant like, um, like someone, so I'll give you an example. There's another uh, guy in the class who was working on, as a side project. Mm-hmm. He was making his own kind of uh, motorized skateboard Okay. that kind of had like suspension to it and stuff. And so you would use... Uh, your balance and the torque mm-hmm. and you're leaning to help direct move it and stuff um and, you know and so i'm pretty sure he wanted to use that mm-hmm. as like use it that concept for writing his business plan for the class and the professor was like nope already been done like product already exists and we went to her office so many times just pitching ideas it's like well that doesn't sound like it would be successful so like basically she was becoming the arbiter for all the ideas. But don't you think that's how, I mean, when you're looking for funding, that's what the same thing you're going to get. No, I understand, but, like, what people f- don't realize is that they go, it's, like, 2% of all startups get VC funding. Like, funding from the... But even out of that percent, like, how many startups are just successful, period? I think they're teaching you how to be a successful startup. No, I understand, but, like, that class was being super strict and super limiting and then the capstone entrepreneurship course had none of that but i think they're trying to to they do that but i think it's by design no i under no i understand that but like now if you take those courses she teaches both of them so now it's just always restrictive it's it's like there's no part because you know i feel like i have a good grasp on you know business logic and financials and you, understanding that. You do, but you have no practical experience with it. No, but neither does she. Oh. That's the problem. Okay, well in that case then I understand. And I'm not, yeah. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not disparaging you for not having practical experience. I'm saying the best academic in the world is just that. It's an academic. There's no... You haven't lost anything. No, I know. It's just... And neither has she, which is weird why she's so strict. So it goes. it goes back to the point that was lost in the podcast in our recording is that we were talking about the best business people or the best you know who would we want to see Nintendo's um, lead Nintendo directs now would be Reggie because Reggie is candid and he's personable like and the parallel to that in like academia is that a lot of people want to be strict by the books kind of stuff but in the business world it's all a lot of it's made up no right. one knows what they're doing. Right. That's a lot of that's a lot of the world period. As long as you can find your success and you know and you can be smart about it and you can be agile, you no, can no. find your success anywhere. Which that makes sense, but what I'm saying is is that I think there is some merit to introducing an idea that's already been done is so much harder than doing something new. No, I agree. But the problem is like finding something new does not come immediately or it would be even if if what, it doesn't come in a semester it could though it could but so my other point which um the additional problem that she would introduce is that if we couldn't produce the product like any logical way mm-hmm. we couldn't do it i think i i think i agree with her more than you probably do no i agreed with her when i was in the class but like as soon as i left that class and saw how other people were doing it and you know, in the higher level courses, mm-hmm. like, yes, there was merit. Like, she was always talking about competitive advantage and, like, mm-hmm. what technically is a competitive advantage. A competitive advantage is either you have a patent, you have some sort of intellectual property right, or you have, you know, you have some sort of proprietary knowledge, or you have people with skills that are yeah. that are unique. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that you can have very limiting definitions of what that means. Like, I feel like you and I have 
proprietary unique knowledge because we come from a unique understanding that probably doesn't exist in other places Mm -hmm. but like the way we want to tackle things Mm -hmm. is different Mm -hmm. but that's hard to articulate and there's no professor there's no but there's also I think that what we have works really well for us as like a concept no I know and I know like the idea is to create a proof of concept in order to validate that idea I'm not I'm not saying anything you're saying is wrong at all. I don't want you. And if I'm coming across like this, it's a mistake. What I'm saying is is that I think that if, if if you have a great idea, right, you have a great idea. You have a skateboard. It's an automated skateboard. It's a good idea. But the thing is, is it's, it, you, you, you follow the Me Too thing. Right. You know what I mean? And I know you recognize that. But I think that, and maybe she's not doing the best job of articulating this in a way that, like, is salient to the class, but, like, you can't present what's being done because it's already being done. So maybe if he had an idea that was like the next logical step for that, and maybe his idea was, and maybe she shot it down all right. But I just, I do think that there is a, it's it's so much easier, I think, to be successful coming up with the new thing that everyone else copies mm-hmm. than being the copy of the thing. It's just, it's difficult to get to that point because you need to have so much like, Especially in technology, you have to have so much technical knowledge. You have to have spent some time. Or to find the right people. I mean, we could. I don't know if I buy it. I think you can. I think you can make a proof of concept of a good idea very quickly. Well, I'm saying something new to the world in that sense. Like in terms of technology. Yeah, like look at you know Palmer Lucky. Palmer Lucky only like is doing so well with the with Oculus is because like he spent previous ten years of his life being embedded in previous VR technologies. Kind of, but he made Oculus. A very quick turnaround for the for the prototype and all this stuff he bought at scale. I mean, he had the thing. Running. No, but I'm saying he had the technical knowledge, and technical knowledge took the better part of a decade or half a decade. Right, but then he should be presenting technical ideas. Skateboard guy should only present skateboard ideas if he has the ability to make a sell or knows the people that can make it. You mm-hmm. know, I, I don't know. I'm not as opposed to the. the I think maybe I'm. I'm just. I'm so used to calling ideas anyways because so much of what we do is just. Come up with a bunch of ideas. Like yeah. we're gonna pick one out of the five hundred you made, and you sweat over. And even that one, we're kind of not even on, you know. So I think I'm 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 getting better at sacrificing my sacred cows and being okay with it, just for the sake of having a better idea. Right, and I mean, they, and they preach about that in all my entrepreneurship classes. Like there are right. no sacred cows. You don't have a baby until it's seen success. Right, and I and I agree with that. It's just. This certain tact that was taken, like it was. That's why she works as a professor in the VC business school, and not as an actual. I hope hope that that's probably mean. Hmm. That was that was very condescending. What do I know? I don't know what I'm talking about. That's I shouldn't say that. But basically, my 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 greater point is just I will always put like passion and tenacity and personal intelligence. Like if you believe in something, yeah, you go for it. Yeah, but it. None of that guarantees success. No, but neither does a full-scale business plan and, you know, all this market research and stuff like that. They're two sides of the same coin. Like, you can have, like you can have all this data supporting this idea if you can't follow through. A lot of really just... shitty ideas make money, though. Sure. And a lot of people without passion make a lot of money. But what I'm saying is there's a difference between passion and hard work as well. And if, like, you're not willing to put the time. So you can put as much time as you want into a bad idea and you'll see success from it. But, like, you could also have all this business data and then just do nothing with it. And just expect the And expect it to happen. To I see what you're saying. I agree with that. And, I'm, and by no means am I saying that anyone should ever go into anything that they're not passionate about. I don't think we live in a society where you can... There's enough social structure that you can do that without a problem. Um, it's just... I think there's a reason why that used to be expected. And I have a feeling the pendulum's swinging one way and it's going to swing back. Always does. Hmm? Always does. Yeah. Well, I think that when you know people are like, "Huh, maybe this idea by this nineteen-year-old isn't worth three billion dollars," <laughs> and I'm not saying that I mean, Oculus is great yet, but I mean, I, I do think that we might be biting off more than we can chew with VR. We might be biting off more than we can. I just, or I'm wrong. You know, I don't. I don't well, I think know. like the established company's response to VR will probably make it see more success because I mean, PlayStation right. VR. 
and HoloLens. Well, and Oculus has always been about that. Yeah. We want this field to grow yeah. because we need it to. They want. It's the same problem because the problem is that at least with VR, everyone's innovating because no one knows what they're doing. I feel like in a lot of like, especially like, uh, mobile uh, human computer interaction, everyone just waits for Apple and then responds to it. Which is cool when Google did it in material design because all of a sudden Google's like, all right, all right, fuck it, we're not waiting anymore. Right. We're doing our thing because Android sucked for so long. And, and you see how much Samsung is kind of becoming a flash in the pan because their sales mm-hmm. have been going down, and mm-hmm. now Huawei is kind of now becoming the new Samsung. Right. And and Microsoft is just doing, like, not talking about Windows Phone, in terms of, like, developing software for other platforms. It's just fucking going off the yeah. reservation. Just like, we're going to buy the best email iPhone app and just turn it into the Outlook app. Now Outlook is the best email app on iPhone. And it's smart. I feel, I feel like Microsoft's approach is like, all right, we thought we ran the show. We don't. At least in the way that we used to. I don't know. I think Balmer still thinks he runs the show. He's over there with the Clippers. <laughs> you know, it, it works. I killed the Ken because it needed to die. The um, the Ken. The service is cool, though, man. And other hardware resellers are buying services to resell. We live in a weird time. We live in a weird time because these big companies are being forced to act like small companies again. And it's cool. That's a statement. It's the most vapid statement. But well, I feel like the company that's having the hardest trouble with that is Apple. I agree because it doesn't. It can't. It, do, it just doesn't respond fast enough no. to things. It's like you know, a lot of design choices in iOS are still bad. Like just, I agree. Visual and technical. It's just like it's just still not good. And I'm I'm still not sold on this flat UI thing. I don't I don't see the design. And maybe because they didn't spell it out. Google just spelled it out. Like, I, I've watched so much of it. And I've watched both their design things. And, like, the material design thing just, it, especially with all the pressure stuff they're doing, having depth to your design and giving it a shape and a and a, uh, a, 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 a Z-axis to everything. Axis? Axis. 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 Makes perfect sense. You know, I, I don't, I just don't know why. I feel like also if Apple subscribes to that methodology, even making their own design around it, people are going to be like, well, it's not ours. I don't know. Maybe they wouldn't do that. I mean, they do that with everything else. Like, yeah. you know, they just wait. They just observe. Every... So, like, the good thing when, where they take their time in a good way is when they just observe right. how technology trends go and then they adapt into their own. So, like, NFC, things like that. I still think they haven't nailed NFC either, though. I mean, it's worked fine for me. I mean... But their routers were the same. I mean, all they right, all their technology, and I, and arguably this new Apple TV could be the this is the set top box. This is the Wii remote you've always wanted. I guess so. I don't know. It's weird. Because interesting, because so many people have the misconception that Apple is always first with innovation. We were talking uh, about yeah. this in my, my entire class. class did that, and I was mad at them. It's like no, they. Whenever Apple is the first to come out with the product, it never works. It never works. Apple Newton, the first PDA. Yeah. They're shitty. Well, even. I feel like the Apple Watch could have used some more time in the oven. I'm sure they invested so much money that they had to get product out, and it's it's probably done very well for them. But I just think from a, like... The iPod Shuffle was something that they did that made no sense to me, but was so smart. But it also didn't make much sense to them because they kept redoing the design every generation. Well, because they... But it was the $100 iPod, which was so relevant at the time it was it's something that made sense you I know mean, I, I hated it i had one i got one i was like man this sucks i was just a, I was just a brat i was so mad about it did you want more with the screen yeah and you know it's expensive it's expensive and my, i'm i'm impressed now looking back at you know 100 bucks a year is a lot and um but the thing just from a using it for running and like what it what it's what is what the mp3 provider really is for perfect and mm-hmm. the new one, that's the, the the little square one, it's awesome. I just love the colors. I like colors. I was real upset that they, they didn't take the blue that's on the back of the iPod Nano mm-hmm. and the iPod Touch and put it on the iPhone because that's like such a good, unique blue. Just that like metallic, like mm-hmm. gum wrapper blue. Mm-hmm. And they just gave me rose goddamn gold. Rose gold. When do you really like that one though? The gold one? I was like, look, they have a pink iPhone now. She's like, whoa! 
I don't know, man. I guess that's cool. I think it looks sweet, but I mean, I don't know. I've always gotten the black ones. That's right. Black on black. Get any color as long as it's black. He didn't actually say that. Really? Yeah. So you're an idiot. Thanks for killing the magic, Mason. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Alright, well. You got anything else with that? We should probably play some video games this week. Maybe. I'll probably dig into Blacklist a little bit more. I have such a backlog. I mean, you want to install Blacklist and we can play co op. Okay. How yeah. are we going to just handle chat? Huh? I'll call you. <laughs> Skype. That's how I usually do it. Really? Mm-hmm. Get my laptop. You should tell the folks about your friend Evan's chat um, <laughs> solution when you guys played PC games. So when we used to play Company of Heroes, 2v2 ranked, we were really good. Evan would hook up a, a Microsoft um, Xbox 360 Guitar Hero controller and attach the headset through it because the, 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 the controller had the, the mic codec in it and you could use the headset. So he would sit there with the guitar on his lap, commanding the, the Allied forces against the German regime. <laughs> Oh, there's a note highway. Just all the tanks are. Yeah. <laughs> they're all color coded. Oh, good job. I love Company Heroes. One day you'll play Company Heroes. One day you'll play XCOM. I played it. Mm-hmm. I did. Mm-hmm. I did at least three missions. Ooh. You know what? You're right. It's the best game in the whole world. Yep. That's what all I right, said. Dylan. That's it. All no right. more. Shut up. No more talking. Just kidding. Word podcast episode something. Word podcast episode eight with a little break in the middle. Bye, Dylan. Bye.